welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 176. My name is Brian Perlman. I am joined, as always, by my two co-hosts. Co-hosts, sound off. Uh, who goes first? Uh, you can, since you're talking. Yes. Uh, my name is Bergen King. Uh, and I'm Jess Dunks. And we are here to to read you some cards and talk about them. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... it's. It's going to be uh, an hour of uh, commiseration. Um, yes, yeah, so this right here, uh, episode 176, this is our Hour of Devastation uh, release notes episode to get you all up to speed on all the fun rules and neat cards that you might be playing at the pre-release and uh, help you out with uh, some of the ins and outs of the new mechanics. Cards that you want to be playing at the pre-release, cards that you don't want to be playing at the pre-release cards that if you get at the pre-release you're going to start to read it and go like ah this makes my head hurt ow 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 make it stop. a lot of a lot of words on it yeah or maybe you might get one of those fancy cards that you can't even read what it is i was uh you you stole my segue right oh did i, I was, yeah you took it i was like oh well maybe you can't read them because the font's all funky it's uh it's masterpieces it specifically, it's are they? They're still invocations, right? They're they're that's still what they're calling them. They're calling them for this one, for this set. Oh yeah, for this set specifically. Yeah. Um. So how there's some number of them in this set. Uh, twenty four, I think. Yes. Um, and so these are like the uh, ones the invocations from. The previous set, as well as the, uh, in what are the inventions called? Or are they just inventions from uh, Kaladesh? Yeah, they were they were just called inventions, and then the previous ones and then expeditions. were expeditions. So we got some more cool spells. They're just going to there be super rare impacts. Uh, you can play them in your pre-release. You can play them if you open them in a draft or sealed. But unless that card is otherwise legal in the in the set in the format, you cannot uh, play it. So if you show up trying to play cards that are not standard legal at, in your standard tournament, they're still not legal, even though they're an invocation. Right. So that that blood moon that you've got, you can't you can't play that in. Uh... It is a really pretty blood moon, though. It is. Um, just as a heads up, they're not going to be doing masterpieces for every set anymore. Uh, so, one, you won't have to worry about missing out on that value when you don't get them. And two, you won't have to listen to us explain them every time. From a from a box value standpoint, I wonder what that's going to do to like the the value of of boxes that they that they do appear in. You know. Well, I think it depends on the the individual card. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think that the expeditions are probably going to retain some pretty high value just because uh, the lands are really good. Right. Uh, I'm not so sure about the inventions. That'll probably be the middle value. Yeah. Although, like that that force of will though. Yeah. Oh, that one's nice. The this this particular they they said when they they discontinued these things that that for this particular set, Amonkhet, they were kind of struggling a little bit, and it was kind of hard to fit the theme. Uh, so that probably means that when they do release masterpieces that are on theme, they're probably going to be good. Yeah, they're going to be sweet. I, I mean, I would imagine. 
as long, I, I'm happy that they're acknowledging that they don't want to, they want these to still be cool. They want these to still be flavorful and fit with the environment that they're putting them in. So they're not just going to force them. And I think that's awesome. Cool. All right. So uh, every set brings with it new mechanics. Every set brings with it new mechanics. Uh, one of the new mechanics, well, new in air quotes for this set, is Eternalize, which is flavor-themed. Bolus is bringing uh, the really uh, kick-ass zombies uh, to to uh, to Ket. and it's a it's kind of similar to Embalm. So whereas Embalm was paint it's and- Mega Embalm, it's like it Mega More. <laughs> it's not Mega Embalm. <laughs> I, I like that description, though. It's it's, it's different or embalm. That hurts me. You're like that, that actually, when you were like, "Oh, it's mega involved," I was like, "Oh, ow, oh." Wait, but my use of the word differenter didn't. No, no, differenter is completely. It doesn't. There's not an emotional connotation. Like megamorph is just kind of like. Why would you do this? Here, here's what here's what megamorph is. It's sort of like when a. Uh, uh, you're told that you're going to be drinking a soda and it's really tea, like unsweetened tea. Oh, you and get your hopes super up. Like, you're just like, oh, this is going to be really nice. It's going to be drinking. And you're like, oh, ugh, ugh, what, what is, okay, oh, it's tea. I, I like tea, but I wasn't, ugh. That's, so anyway. Uh, that tea is really strong. Yeah. Uh, so, so Eternalize is uh, a slightly different version of, of Embalm. Uh, what it does is uh, it says, Pay a certain amount of mana. You're going to exile this card from your graveyard, so you can only activate it from your graveyard. And then you're going to create a token that's a copy of the card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie human warrior. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a black zombie uh, in addition to its other types. Um, and it doesn't have a mana cost to it. Um, so... Basically, what you're going to get, like, if you have a 1-1 a one, one with Eternalize, so the, the simplest card that they've got is for one blue mana, they have a 1-1 one, one Human Warrior with Eternalize for four blue blue. And what that means is, when your 1-1 one, one dies and goes to the graveyard, you're going to get a 4-4 a four, four black Zombie Human Warrior. Um, thematically, most of these cards have abilities that synergize with Eternalize, so maybe it might be a, a, a card that... Um, lets you draw cards uh, equal to its power and then discard some cards uh, so that when it comes in as a 4-4, you know, you get to draw more cards. Um, They will have uh, special corresponding tokens in the packs to represent the eternalized versions of the creatures. Um, Judges won't have them, so if you're playing it like a a sealed uh, PPTQ or the pre-release and you say, hey, Judge, do you have any of these? The answer is no. Um... Um, exiling the creature is part of the cost. Um, one one thing that we've seen that we've seen players do with the eternalized creatures is when they put the eternalized creature on the battlefield because they're not exiling the card and putting a token in play. Or if you don't have a token, they're taking the actual card out of out of the graveyard and they're putting it on the battlefield, but they're pulling it out of the sleeve a little bit. You know, maybe like a centimeter or an inch or whatever, or all the way out of the sleeve, or all the way out of the sleeve. Um, so, uh, so that when it dies, they know that they can put the card into exile. The tokens are identical copies with the exception that they are four, four and they are black zombies. And the zombie is in addition to the other creature types. So they're going to retain their existing creature types and they have no mana cost. 
one other interesting thing about them is if you are internalizing a card that has a power and toughness uh, CDA, i.e. something like Tarmogoyf or something that has a star star ability, it's not going to actually copy that ability. And that's just the way the copy rules work because you're saying, hey, it's a it's a four four. You're not going to copy anything that would set its power and toughness. That's a CDA. And that is entirely too much on Eternalize. But it's eternal. You, you can't you can't get enough. You're eternalizing it, Ryan. I've yeah. internalized it, and now I've externalized it, and yeah. I've inflicted on you with it. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, I like that. Uh, let's move on to Afflict, which is the next new mechanic from the set. Uh, Afflict is a word that you will see on cards next to a number. So we'll say afflict one or afflict two or, or some number. Uh, and the rule for that says afflict is a triggered ability. Afflict N, the variable N, means whenever this creature becomes blocked, defending player loses N life. So uh, what that means is if a creature has afflict two, like the card frontline devastator, when you attack with it and it becomes blocked by an opposing cur, uh the defending player that you are attacking will lose two life. Um, if multiple creatures block it, you only get one trigger because it only becomes blocked once uh, and it's not actually damaged. The creature's not dealing any damage to it. You're not dealing any damage to the opponent, nothing like that. It is loss of life. So, so yeah, if you, if you have something that says when this... If your creature gets something that says when this deals some damage and it has afflict, the afflict doesn't count for it dealing damage. Yeah, and and also uh, that's also relevant for things that have protection. So something, for example, gives you protection from uh, red, uh, in the case of Frontline Devastator, or prevents all damage. Uh, it doesn't stop, uh, neither of those things stop afflict. Uh, if it is attacking a Planeswalker, the Planeswalker's controller is the defending player, so afflict still applies. Uh, and this triggers during the declare blocker step, and it will resolve before combat damage. So what's going to happen a lot of times is you're going to see players kind of do that as all one step, I would imagine. Like, I attack with something with a flick, you do a whole bunch of blocks, and then, I, and, then, and then you go, all right, I take seven, because you've added up all the damage and the afflict together, but they actually happen at separate points. Afflict happens first, which could be very relevant for, I don't know, Death Shadow. Uh, in, in, for for in example. Other, for example. I don't know why anybody would play that card. It's a horrible card. Hey, Stone unplayable. So so do you guys realize that Afflict is, is going to be a, a, a kind of a worthless mechanic in about another year? Cause why? Because wi- Wizards is getting rid of blocks. Oh my goodness gracious. You stop this. <laughs> I saw that clear, I saw that joke on Reddit last week. To be clear, blocking is not going away from the game. <laughs> this is no that they went away during Zendikar and then it came back. Yeah. No, it's it's a reference to the last episode we mentioned that that Wizards made an announcement that they were moving they were doing away with the the block model and every set is just going to be a standalone set. So, we were playing on the the duality of the word. When you say Thank we, you mean we. you. You are yes. a very royal we there, Brian. It is a royal we. It's me. Of course it's going to be royal. Well, I'm going to have to exert some effort to get to the next topic here. Jeez. Woo! Uh, so, 
we had we had exert in uh, Amonkhet, and we have exert again. Except uh, prior to now, exert was all just when you attack. And while we still have cards that exert when you attack, you we now have exert on cards with activated abilities. So uh, as with before, exert lets you choose to not untap your creature during your next untap. Uh, if you you can't just choose to not choose to not let your creature untap if it doesn't have exert. I know that seems pretty obvious, but you can't just be attack with a normal old creature and then not untap it and say, well, I exerted it. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, now this uh, can exerting can be a cost of an ability. For example, the card Hope Tender is a one, in ta- one tap exert Hope Tender, uh, untap two target lands. Um, if for whatever reason you have already exerted a creature, but you managed to untap it by some other means, uh, you can tap it again. You can choose to exert it again. Um, It's really tired, though, right? It's it's super exerted. Um, If you uh, gain... If I take your creatures, if I gain control of one of your creatures with exert, I can exert it, uh, and when it goes back to you, uh, it will untap because the way exert is worded, it says an exerted creature won't untap during your next untap step. So if I exert it and then give it back to Jess, Jess gets to feel special because his creature still untaps. Hey, uh, one one quick question because we were we were making a, a joke about uh, it being double exerted and really really tired. Um, we, just to be clear, that doesn't mean that because you exerted it twice in a in one turn that you're going to have to wait two turns to untap. Right. It still only applies to your next untap step, not the next untap step and the next next untap step. Cool. So the other day I was in the card store and I was bragging about how I always get the sickest pulls out of out of the, out of the packs. I don't. And I'm scared of where this story is going, but continue. Well, I yeah, I was I was like I was like I always get the sickest pulls, and so I opened the pack up and it was nothing but non-basic lands, and you could say that I got my just deserts. <laughs> How okay? Have you been preparing that one this whole time, or <laughs> no, did you just think about it? I just thought of it. I didn't assign these cards. I had no way of knowing that I was going to get deserts uh, before we started the podcast. So anyway, um, in this set, there are a lot of uh, deserts. Deserts uh, is a returning mechanic from uh, from Amonkhet, and they are land. Uh, non-basic lands that have the type of desert. Now, there are 15 15 in this set um, non-basic deserts. Uh, There's actually zero basic deserts, but there's 15 non-basic ones. Um, Deserts themselves is a subtype of land. While on the card desert that has no special meaning, there are lots of cards in this set that care about whether or not you control a desert or you have a desert in your graveyard. And most of the deserts have a way of either cycling to get in the graveyard or an ability that lets you sacrifice a desert in order to to do to have an effect. So there's plenty of ways to get deserts into the graveyard. And then it's just a, a land, so you can play it and get it on the battlefield. Um, most of uh, most of the triggered abilities uh, that care about uh, deserts have uh, intervening if clauses. <laughs> so um, be, be aware of that uh, uh that if the card says something like, you know, 
if whenever this attacks, if you control a desert or a desert is in your graveyard, target creature can't block this turn, something like that. Um, you want to be sure to cycle your desert to get it in the graveyard before that ability would trigger, because if it's not in the graveyard when the ability does start to trigger, since it's an intervening of clause, it's not even going to be put on the stack in the first place. And that's what I got about deserts. All right. Well, let's move on to the first of several cards we're going to talk about, shall we? All right. Sure. Seems okay, good. Well, card um, hype. I'm, what card hype? Uh, yeah, card hype. Talk about uh, Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh. Uh, Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh is a planeswalker with a lot of abilities and a really big mana cost. Uh, but most of what we are going to talk about is just the first ability that it has, which says uh, plus two loyalty, target opponent exiles cards from the top of his or her library uh, until he or she exiles a non-land card. Until end of turn, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. So uh, all of those cards are exiled face up. Everybody gets to see them. Cards that are exiled with this ability can still be cast even if uh, Nicol Bolas is no longer on the battlefield. So if, if he were to die somehow before you cast the spell, as long as the duration of until end of turn hasn't expired, you can still cast the uh, cards. If you don't cast it, it stays exiled, and you can only cast it following normal timing rules. So if it is a sorcery, you could not cast it at instant speed, uh, stuff like that. Um, and it's last not quite but not- that broken. Yeah, it's not quite that broken. Uh, last but not least, um, without paying its mana cost means that you can't pay any alternative costs like Overload, for example, but you can pay additional costs uh, like Kicker. Um, and anytime, uh, anytime a spell has an X in its mana cost that you set while you're casting the spell, uh, that X is zero. As I, I feel like... Having every time that has to be explained, it's because you know someone out there is going to be really sad that it, that that's the case. Like, <laughs> I can't choose X as a million, but it lets me cast it for free. Right. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, um, anything else you want to say about that guy? Also, Nicol Bolas is here. Just kept, he's here. He's finally here. I'm Yay, not sure. It, it so might excited. be a lie. It might I, be a lie. It's all a, a big illusion, a deception, if you will. Ah. Are you saying that he may or may not be also, in addition to the god pharaoh, he may be the deceiver? Yes, quite possibly. Oh. I, I, that's some good insight on your part. Thank you. Um, why, don't you why don't you tell <laughs> us your thoughts on the matter? Uh, so, we also have the uh, Planeswalker deck, Nicol Bolas, uh, called Nicol Bolas the Deceiver, in which the art, he looks very... He looks like... He kind of looks like he's dabbing, but not exactly. <laughs> 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 um, uh, so his uh, plus three ability says each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. Uh, so for that, if you're pl- in, a, in a multiplayer game where the each opponent part matters, uh, each opponent makes their uh, choices in turn order, but then all the things happen at the same time. Uh, so you'll know... If somebody has chosen to discard, but you won't know what they discard until everyone does their thing. Um, his minus three is destroy target creature, draw a card. Um, if the target that you've chosen is gone, like so if you activate the ability 
that goes on the stack. If for whatever reason the thing that you have targeted is gone by the time that ability will resolve, uh, you don't get to draw a card anymore because that ability has been countered. Um, his minus 11, which I like that there's a minus 11 on this guy, uh, says that he deals 7 damage to each opponent and you draw 7 cards. Uh, if, I like that this is a thing I get to explain, uh, if that ability kills your opponent, if it says your opponent, if your opponent takes lethal damage, and then you draw all, the last card, if you would draw, if you would mill yourself out, basically, uh, and you would draw from an empty library, that game is a draw. Because your opponent is dying, but you are dying at the same time, so your game's a draw. Oh, that's a very bolus thing. You know, it's like, ah, I gave you those seven cards, but you died too. <laughs> I... Your usefulness is at an end. It's well. It's also. It's also. I like the idea that, like, well, if I'm gonna die, you're going out with me. So then, place you in an abandoned sarcophagus because there's room for you. Um, I like. I really like the flavor of this card, by the way. I think it's uh, neat. So abandoned sarcophagus is uh, three mana. It's an artifact. Um, it says you may cast non-land. Uh, you may cast non-land cards with cycling from your graveyard. And if a card with cycling would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't cycled, exile it instead. So uh, one of the things is it says you may cast non-land cards with cycling from your graveyard. This doesn't change any of the timing rules. So you are still casting creatures during your main phase and you are still casting sorceries during your main phase when the stack is empty. All that all that fun stuff. Um, Now, if you cycle an instant, like if you cycle an instant card... um, before you draw your card, it's going to go into the graveyard, and you're going to get priority. Uh, you could actually cast it if it's an instant uh, before right away, and then have the have the uh, the draw card ability resolve, which is kind of neat. Um, now, one other thing is this set has a lot of ways of creating tokens. Um, so, if you have a token that is a copy of a permanent with cycling, and that token would goes to the graveyard it's going to immediately cease to exist before you can before you can use it um now what's what's relevant here is this ability says uh if a card with cycling would be put into your graveyard from anywhere okay that's not referring to to tokens because tokens aren't cards so um if uh if a creature card that you have was going to be die and go to the graveyard it doesn't actually die it gets exiled instead because it wasn't cycled hey jess Yes, sir. Uh, how was that? that <laughs> how good? was that? How was that? Did I do okay? You don't have any like did, criticisms did, or condemnations? Yeah, I, I, I really wanted to. I, I wanted to bring the hammer down, uh, but I, I decided to hold off on it a little bit. Uh, you want to go with that angle of condemnation. I didn't want to go with that angle of condemnation. <laughs> no, this is so good. So, so the, our next card is uh, angle of condemnation. It's a geometry uh, is, set. Yeah, is it? <laughs> it's, it's all it's all about geometry. Yes. It's like a it's like there's you know you've got the complementary angles and the supplementary angles and then the condemnation angles. It's right, right. And you have the, 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 right the, the, the villain hypotenuse. Just yes. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so angle of con. It's actually angel if you're wondering, but angel of condemnation. Um, it's a secret. Yeah, is a 3-3 with flying and vigilance. 
and it has two abilities. The first one lets you exile another target creature and return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. And the other one is that you can exert Angel of Condemnation and exile another target creature until Angel of Condemnation leaves the battlefield. Now, uh, what's cool about this is since it has Vigilance, it can attack and then use its abilities. So this is one where attacking doesn't exert it, but you can still say, I'm going to attack and exert it. Uh, and it makes sense. Uh, if you exile a token with either of these abilities, it will just permanently cease to exist. And uh, whenever something leaves the battlefield like that, uh, the auras or anything attached to it becomes unattached. Auras go to the graveyard, equipment will stay on the battlefield. And if there are any counters on it, they go poof. And yeah, that's they go poof. Um, now, if you kill Angel of Condemnation in response to one of these two abilities, uh, two different things happen. This is where it gets fun. If you activate the first one, the not exert one, uh, and the angel dies in response, the creature uh, still comes back at the beginning of the next end step. But if you exile the last one, I'm sorry, if it gets, if it gets uh, killed in response to the second ability to exile a creature... Uh, then that creature will not leave the battlefield because the duration, which is until Angel of Condemnation leaves the battlefield, has already ended before it would have started. So it's like Vanishing Light and not Oblivion Ring. Yes. So the first ability, uh, it's going to be exiled until the beginning of the next end step. That's going to happen regardless of whether or not Angel of Condemnation dies. And then the other one, which is exiled until Angel leaves the battlefield, if Angel leaves the battlefield before that ability resolves, your creature stays where it is. Yeah, it will not go anywhere. Cool. Love um, it. Ooh. So, the next card, uh, as some, some insight into the inner workings of the show here, Brian has all these notes that I believe are Game of Thrones references, but I don't know anything about Game of Thrones. Uh, so the next card is a Crested Sun Mare, and it's a horse. It is uh, a horse. Of course, of course. So I can't... The, the background in the art doesn't really, like, give me a good sense of scale of how big this horse is, but it's I really five. want to just... It's a 5-5, five five, that's true. I really just want to assume this is a just a huge It's a colossal horse. horse. <laughs> it's just a giant horse. Um, it's, it's as big as Pelucranos, so, you know, it's just a giant horse. Actually, it's as big as a colossal whale, apparently. Yep. <laughs> Call that, which is really that, that's funny. what I was going for. Thank you. Oh, were you? <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, so this is a horse. Um, it's five, five bird, five, three white, white. Um, it makes all your other horses indestructible. So uh, <laughs> also, also, uh, we now have a picture of a colossal whale next to the the horse in the show notes. Just again as a whale for scale. Um, so when, when we first did this, I think I calculated the colossal whale size as three miles long. It's a five, five. It's a five, five. <laughs> just, a five, five. just saying. <laughs> awesome. Crested uh, sun bear by comparison needs to be at least five miles as, or three miles as well. Uh, but like, does it though? Yeah, I guess well, it does. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe only two miles. Cause it's got the hooves. Because it's got hoofies, yeah. Right, the whale just has the flippers and it can't, it's just biting. (laughs) He can only lash out so much. Um, So this horse uh, 
uh, makes your other horses have indestructible. And at the beginning of each end step, if you have gained life, th- if you gain life this turn, uh, create a five-five white horse creature token. So it, if you gain life, it makes horses. And then those, if as long as this guy is around, uh, your horses are indestructible. Um, so, oh, sorry. This says each end step. That's even cooler. Um, Brian just typed boom in the show notes just for for effect. I did. He's he's adding a lot of value, like as as I'm talking right now. I appreciate it, Brian. <laughs> um, so if uh, so like I said, if your your horses have been destructible, but let's say you have three other horses, uh, and uh, their names are Hayface, Odie, and John. Uh, if this one dies, and your other horses have and Hayface, Odie, and John have each taken five five damage. That damage is still marked on it. So if this friend dies, then they're gonna die too, because they had lethal damage and they're not indestructible anymore. Um, we were talking about in- intervening if clauses earlier. The uh, the gain life make if you've gained life make a horse trigger is an intervening if clause. So at the end of your turn, you can't wait for it to trigger and then gain life in response. You will have had to already have gained life. Um, and it also doesn't care if you've gained life ten times or if you've gained a million life. It's still only going to trigger the one time. Uh, Brian, do you want to explain your Game of Thrones references? Because I don't, I don't get them. Well, I just, uh, just in the show notes, I was like, Ob, this is a Dothraki horse lord. And then I lamented that it actually, uh, I don't know if it makes Tarpan uh, less good or not, because Tarpan gains you life when it goes to the graveyard. And since it's indestructible, it's not going to go to the graveyard. <laughs> That's an actual magic card from Ice Age. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, the other one was just a Caldrogo, calling it Caldrogo here, because he was one of the Dothraki horse lords. So, Is anyway, it pronounced Drogo? It's, it's I always pronounced, pronounced it Drago in my head. All well, I, I know think... is that I've had a lot of people call me Calbrogo because of that guy's name. So I assume that in the show they pronounce it Drogo. They call you they call you Calbrogo. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't think you you understand the true extent to which if something has anything that remotely resembles brogue in it or like brr any anything somebody's anything? probably yes somebody's probably made fun of my name with it. Well, I guess the next <laughs> card is Dauntless Haven. Yes, that's the name of the card. Yes, Dauntless Haven. Uh, for two and a white, it is a 2-1 bird warrior creature with flying and says whenever Dauntless Haven attacks, untap target creature you control. Um, two, a few quick notes on this card is untapping a creature doesn't remove it from combat. Um you can untap uh, an attacking creature that you just exerted. So if you swing with a swing with uh, Dauntless Aven and another uh, creature, and you decide to exert that creature, this trigger is going to go on the stack. You can untap your exerted uh, exerted creature. Um, let's see. Uh, you, however, you can't attack with this and untap something. Uh, that exerted last turn and then untap with and then attack with that creature this turn. So what I mean by that is, so last turn I attacked with a creature, exerted it. So this turn it didn't untap. 
And then I go, okay, well, now I'm going to attack with my Dauntless Aven, and I'm going to untap my Exert creature, and I'm going to attack with it also. Because we've already passed the point in order for the Dauntless Aven trigger to, to trigger, we have to have passed, gone past the Declare Attacker's uh, step. So I can't untap a creature and then go back in time back to Declare Attacker's. We've already, we've already passed it. Can I just talk about how much I like that this is just a bird person with a knife? <laughs> It's just, I'm a bird. I have a knife. Watch out. Well, that's that's why it's a 2-1. If it didn't have the knife, it'd just be a 1-1. Yeah, exactly. It's that knife-wielding bird. Watch Hmm. out. Now I understand. Are are your eyes open, Jess? My eyes are open. (laughs) I get the the Temerian card here. Uh, Jaru with eyes open. Um, (laughs) So this card... So this says, uh, when Jaru with eyes open enters the battlefield, you may search your library for Planeswalker card, reveal it, put it in your hand, shelf your library. But it also says, more interestingly, if a source would deal damage to a Planeswalker you control, prevent one of that damage. Uh, if multiple sources would deal damage to this at the same time, uh, I'm sorry, to a Planeswalker you control at the same time, um, they each have one damage uh, prevented. And... I didn't add this to our list. I think Brian added this to our list specifically because there was a Star Trek reference to be had. A. <laughs> Timba at rest. Shaka when the walls fell. <laughs> so would you believe I've never actually watched that? I, I would, but I, I also believe we're going to correct that. So I actually, I, I love Next Gen, but I've never watched that episode it's one of my favorite episodes it's very i I know what we're doing this weekend all right i'm I'm ready i'm suddenly scanning the list of all the phrases to see if there's one that means i'm disappointed in you You uh no 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 no. uh kiaza's children their face wet yes oh no no. (laughs) well Uh, are you saying are you is my lack of having seen this episode my doomfall? Yes. One, you don't like that one? I, I feel like we're on a really good segue train here. Mirab with and, sails unfurled. You have to watch this episode. This, okay. this is definitely definitely I, what we're doing this week. I understand the the theme of the episode, and I like I've, I've read summaries about it and read a lot of uh, analyses of the episode as a as a piece of art. But um, haven't gotten around to watching. But it. I have never actually watched it. Um. All right, now that I've experienced my Doomfall, I uh, will talk about the card Doomfall. Uh, it is a sorcery that says choose one. Target opponent exiles a creature he or she controls. Uh, other mode is target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it. Exile that card. Um, as with other cards with modes, uh, you will choose that mode, which mode you're choosing when you cast it. So you can't say, I am casting this card, putting it on the stack, and wait for your opponent to respond before you say which mode you're choosing. Um, both of these modes target your opponent. So for the first one, and when it says target opponent exiles a creature he or she controls, uh, you can get hexproof creatures because you're not targeting the uh, creature, you are targeting the opponent. Um, and the second mode uh you, it said, when it says target opponent reveals his or her hand, you choose a non-land card from it, exile that card. Uh, if there is a non-land, they revealed their hand. If there is a non-land card, you have to choose one. Um, 
you can't just say, oh, well, there isn't one here. I would like to do the other thing now, please. Uh, or choose to not get rid of that card. You have to choose one. Anything else you want to say about the fall of doom? Seems fine. Uh, um, it's it's the, now the question is uh, is this going to be is this part of a cycle? Is there also a doom spring and a doom summer? <laughs> doom winter. Doom winter could work. I I I like doom summer because that one like I just want to see like zombies chilling out in under the sun like getting a tan with know. like that little reflector thing under yeah, their really, skin. Yes, and sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for Doom Summer. Doom Summer. <laughs> I need to get a I need to get a tan before I go out to the beach. Wait, the whole plane's a beach. Um, uh, all right. It all makes so much more sense now. Yeah, you figured <laughs> it out. We solved the mystery. Nicobolas is planned all along. You you might say this is the God Pharaoh's gift. It would make as much sense as his his motivation for shards of Alara block. Anyway, God Pharaoh's gift uh, for seven <laughs> mana. It is an artifact. Um, and like all gifts, uh, we like getting gifts. And this is a gift that keeps on giving specifically. It keeps giving at the beginning of every combat on your turn. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do create a token, that's a copy of that card, except it's a four, four black zombie. It gains haste until end of turn. A uh, few few things to note here. This is it's really convenient to shortcut this and just say, "Hey, I get to eternalize something." It's slightly different uh, than eternalize, and and we you listen to Judge Cast because you're a rules nerd and you like to know these minutia things. Uh, the key differences between this and eternalize is it's making it's making the the copy. It's a four four black zombie. So it's not a zombie in addition to its other types. Uh, so it's just going to be a zombie. It's not going to. It's going to not going to be a zombie cat wizard or zombie crocodile camel cat. I want a zombie cat wizard. Um, uh, it also, uh, unlike the eternalized tokens that do not have mana costs, converted mana costs, uh, this card will keep its mana cost, but it will still be black. Um, and then it gives it haste because obviously you want to smash face with it. Um, there is also another card that's similar to this called Hour of Eternity, which is XX blue, 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 blue uh, which is exile X target creature cards from your graveyard for each ex card exiled this way. Create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. Um, it is more human than human. Um, it's Rob Zombie joke. I didn't, no, I didn't get it. Nope. Didn't get it. Ah, man. So anyway, uh, that also, since it's making a 4-4 black zombie, it also is, air quotes, eternalizing it, but it's still getting its its mana, it's still keeping its mana cost despite being black, and uh, it is only, it is not a crocodile cat goblin zombie. It's just a zombie. Crocodile cat goblin zombie? Well, yeah. I love all these creature types. Advisor. Crocodile cat zombie advisor. Avatar. Are the, is, is that your creature type, Brian? What? Those are... Yes, I'm a crocodile cat advisor zombie. Have, have yes! In your mind. In your imagination. In my mind. Camel. Camel. <laughs> Sand. Um, are, we, are we ready to keep going, guys? Yeah. I'm right. so ready. Alright, so our next card is Imaginary Threats. Uh, imaginary Threats is an instant that says creatures target opponent controls attack this turn if able. During that player's next untapped step... 
creatures he or she controls don't untap, and it has cycling too. Uh, so, interesting stuff about this. Uh, even creatures that didn't attack won't untap. Like, say they were, they, they had some activated ability or something that tapped them, they will also stay tapped. Um, this also includes um, creatures that entered the battlefield after imaginary threats was cast and somehow became tapped. Um, this does not, however... Became tapped. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> no one knows. Sorry, just what? that that was it was just like, hmm. <laughs> Who knows how? I don't know. It was it was it was very mysterious, that's all. <laughs> Who knows how they became tapped? Why does everybody have to question how things became tapped? It's just it's just tapped. Alright. Uh yes, that's that's true. They they became tapped in some unknown fashion. Uh and when that happened, they uh uh, they maybe they were also exerted. Uh, well, if they were exerted and you've cast imaginary threats, these things will not stack. What this means is, unfortunately, that it, it's basically like you exerted their creatures for them. They just won't untap and then they do. That's it. It doesn't stack with exert. Uh, and also, as always, whatever something forces you to attack, if there is also a cost to attack, someone cannot be forced to pay that cost. Dang. They don't have to pay the iron price. Oh, that's a that's a Game of Thrones reference, right? Wait, you don't get Game of Thrones references. Boom! I. You're not allowed. You don't get to do you, that. You don't. You don't watch the show. You're not a true <laughs> fan. You don't get to make references like that. If, if I'm if I'm allowed to have my name made fun of because of characters I don't know, I'm allowed to make the references that I do know. That's that's how it works, right? That's a rule. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Begrudgingly allow it, yes. <laughs> you accept. Um, all right. Uh, so now I'm going to explain a small grudge I have uh, re- related to the next card, which is the Locust God. And my grudge is that it's a legendary creature with just like a lame name. It doesn't have yeah. like, it doesn't have like Frederick the Locust God. It It's not, <laughs> it. it I don't know. Is it weird that that bothers me so much? Yes. Okay. Um, this card has a lot of abilities. Uh, it is obviously a legendary creature god. It is uh, has flying, and whenever you draw a card, create a 1-1 one, one blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste. Uh, you can also pay two blue and red, draw a card, and discard a card, so it lets you loot. Uh, and when it dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, weirdly enough, most of these abilities are pretty straightforward. Um, uh, just as a heads up, uh, if you are getting cards into your hand in some way that doesn't use the word draw, uh, that's not drawing a card, um, so you don't get to make your, your, your buggies, because... You're not drawing cards, you're just getting cards into your hand. Like, with something like Anticipate is worded like that, right? Like, look at some, put one into your hand, not yes, draw. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Yeah, so if you are if you anticipate, you're not drawing cards, uh, even though you're getting a card into your hand. So you Anticipate will not give you locusts. I You, you anticipate the locusts, but you don't get them. Uh, so the next card... Uh, is a, a hint that we are returning back to uh, uh, Mirrodin uh, with the card Majestic Mirror. <laughs> um, I, I don't so Majestic Mirror is a 
What? I think uh, you gotta wipe that smudge off your computer. Oh, oh, there's extra letters behind there. Yeah. Uh, majestic. Well, now I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, majestic Miriarch. Right. It's the king of Mir. It's oh, the big. It's the cool. miriest of Mir. It's the it's the superior. It's the Miriarch Superion. It's like it's, it's what Ubermir should have been. Ah, oh, Ubermir. Um, okay, so uh, it is a it is four and a green for a star star. Chimera, Chimera, Chim Chimini, Chim Chimera, Chimera, Chimera. 99% sure it's just Chimera. It's Chim Chimini. It's 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 lion, bird, eagle, scorpion thing. It's got um, creature types, except it only has the one creature type. It is it is a cat, wizard, zombie, uh, Chimera. Uh, just Chimera. Um, so this one of the interesting things about this card is that it actually has errata already from the from the printed text. Um, so I'll give you I'll give you the unerroted part. First, it says um, majestic Miriarch's power and toughness are each equal to twice the number of creatures you control. Um, so that is on the battlefield. It's at least going to be a two two. Five mana two two. It is a five mana two. It is awesome. Um, that doesn't sound very majestic, so but good. the fact that that ability applies in all zones is is uh, pretty awesome. That is a characteristic defining ability. Um, now, here is the 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 new oracle text for the for the ability. Now, it's possible that you might have read the if you read the printed text on the card, you won't even realize what the problem is. But the existing the the new oracle text is at the beginning of each combat. Majestic Miriarch gains flying until end of turn if you control a creature with flying. The same is true for First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, and Vigilance. Um, the printed wording uh, is kind of phrased as an intervening if clause, and it makes it a little bit ambiguous as to whether or not the ability triggers one time or a whole mess of times once for each ability. So they kind of fix the wording to get rid of that ambiguity. Um that triggered ability triggers each combat, not just yours. Uh, and the set of what it gains is determined on resolution. So if it triggers and then something makes its way into the graveyard, it's a surprise. Um, like you cycle a creature with death, uh, with death touch or something like that. Your mist, your majestic, uh, your Uber Miriarch is going to gain death touch. Yay. And that's all I got to say about that. Although the art is kind of cool. It's got like the little ghost wings to kind of hint at the fact that it, it doesn't, it, it can get flying, but it doesn't have flying. It's kind of one of those uh, uh, deviations from the rule of, hey, if it's not flying or don't, don't show it with wings if it can't fly. Well, that's, I think kind of the whole point is it's, it's, it's double everything you have. It's reflecting everything that's around it, which is why it gets all these abilities and is a chimera. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of reflecting things, uh, the next ability, or sorry, the next ability, the next card we're going to talk about is Mirage Mirror, and Mirage Mirror is an artifact for three mana that says pay two mana, Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. There is some fun stuff you can do with this card. Uh, now, this ability, once it resolves, it no longer has the copy ability, so you can put multiple activations on the stack, but other than that, there's no way to use it more than once. Um, At least once in the same turn. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Once, once it's become a copy, that's, that's it. Um, so now if you copy something 
else and they want to do something with it, you have to be careful because summoning sickness still applies. If you copy a legendary creature, you have to be careful because the legend rule still applies. Um, now, that could sometimes be to your benefit. So, for example, if you were to use this ability to copy, say, I don't know, uh, Dark Depths, uh, then you would be very happy to say that you know, your example. other... For example, uh, that your other Dark Depths would go away, and this one would then have no counters on it because it did not enter the battlefield with counters, and then you would get a Merit Lodge, and that would be cool. Um, however, you could also do other stuff that's not as cool, like, for example, copy an aura, which, at which point this would go, I'm an aura not attached to anything. I got to go to the graveyard, and then it would go to the graveyard. I like picturing, like, flavor-wise what that card is doing. Like, I'm a mirror. Oh, now I'm a... Now I'm a desert. Now I'm a Zenora, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You just basically you picture a wizard standing in front of a mirror going mirror, mirror on the wall. Give me a 2020. Yeah, basically that. <laughs> I would like a 2020 now, please. <laughs> and then the ice thaws. Oh, wait, the ice was never there. And then you have a 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wizard equivalent of fast food. Instant gratification. Um. On the other hand of instant gratification, uh, there is the next card is Neheb the Eternal, uh, which I think has pretty sweet art. Um, but it is uh, a four six with afflict three. You're super afflicted, um, and it has an ability that says at the beginning of your post combat main phase, add red to your mana pool for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. Um, so this ability, while it looks like a mana ability, uh, it's not. It is just a regular old triggered ability, uh, but because it's not a triggered ability that is triggered off of an activated mana ability, it is not an, a mana ability, so it will go on the stack and your opponents will have a chance to respond before you get your mana. Um, just Additionally, uh, because of the way turn structures work, uh, even if you... Because it says at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you may say, well, I did not attack with creatures. Why do I do I have a post-combat main phase? And the answer is yes, you do. Um, even if you did not attack, you still get that post-combat main phase, which means even if your opponent lost some life in some way, what, even if it wasn't you attacking for damage, if they uh, lost life, uh, you will get your trigger. Um, and a lot of times we make a big distinction between, well, this is losing life and not damage. Uh, in this case, damage causes a loss of life. Uh, so damage will count towards uh, what Neheb is looking for here. Um, if Neheb wasn't on the battlefield, uh, when your opponent lost life, uh, the trigger will still happen. And it will say, aha, your, the opponent did, in fact, lose some life. Awesome. Um, additionally, if there, if you have any abilities or creatures or things that let you get uh, extra main phases, uh, things like Aggravated Assault and uh, Hellkite Charger, uh, those are all post-combat main phases. So... If you get all kinds of, if you get many, many main phases or many, many combats followed by many, many main phases, uh, those are all, in fact, post-combat main phases. So, congratulations, you get many manas. 
I does anyone have a way to break this one yet? I'm sure that someone has. This is just fun because like the cards where it's like, hey, pay mana, like aggravated assault and hell card charger, or you get to pay mana to get extra, uh, yep. to get extra combat. Uh, so you can, hey, there's my there's my extra mana that I need to pay for those abilities. How hey. convenient! Hey, how convenient! That's just fun. That's my Johnny. Yeah, I'm uh, the, the inner Johnny. There's got to be a way to break this card. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there is one. If there isn't now, there will be eventually. I also like that it is a zombie minotaur. Warrior. Eh, zombie minotaur warrior. Warrior oh, does... is less interesting to me, but but zombie minotaur is pretty pretty amazing. This might actually be the new longest creature type. Legendary creature zombie minotaur warrior. What was it before? I think it was legendary creature human warrior barbarian. This is longer than that. Yes. I think, yeah, I haven't counted the characters, but it looks longer. How exciting. Things that no one else I, I would notice. E- All right. I think that's roughly equally long. Anyway. Well, there's, there's well, hmm. There's a, a zombie crocodile demon. What? Uh, in this set, yeah. Uh, he's not in here, but his name is, uh, his name is Emmett. Uh, zombie the, the crocodile demon. demon. Yeah. The card name is actually Emmett Eternal, or Emmett Eternal, but in my head, he's just Emmett. And Emmett Eternal just sounds like a, like a, like a Nicholas Sparks movie or something like that. <laughs> like, is it like talk everlasting? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. If it eternal, it's just awesome. You're just going to, you're just going to follow the zombie crocodile demon around as he goes through, as he learns about life and love. How, how he, he has his heart broken and then picked up again. Yes. <laughs> All right. The next card is nimble obstructionist. Um, I love the art on this card. It is... Oh. It's a bird lady with a pretty arm beam. This card is very, very American Independence Day. Uh, (laughs) It is. Because it's got the red, red, white skirt with a little bit of blue there. Like blue magic, red, white stripes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On theme. Yeah. So, yeah, and for, for those um, of you that don't know, we're recording this right after Independence Day. So we we actually moved our recording date back one day, so we weren't trying to record during fireworks. Yeah. Uh, so two and a blue for a three-one bird wizard with flash and flying and cycling two blue. Uh, that's two uh, generic and a blue. Um, and when you cycle nimble obstructionist. Counter target activated or triggered ability you don't control. So it's kind of got a little, it's a little stifle there going. Um, just as a reminder, activated abilities are abilities with a colon. Yeah, uh, that he colon. says this about a card that has cycling. What activated ability? Yes, <laughs> activated abilities are abilities with a colon. Yeah, uh, that he colon. says this about a card that has it, it, cycling. Well, the the next thing is uh, colons may actually be in the rules text of the ability word. Um, triggered abilities, uh, which this can counter, uh, have start with three magic words: when, whenever, and at. As, as in this, uh, as this enters the battlefield, you know, do it, put some counters on it or something. That is not a trigger word that normally tends to indicate a replacement effect of some sorts. If also um, is usually not a trigger word. Uh, if is all right. And instead is definitely not. So now one of the neat things about this is it says uh, you don't control. This is tar- uh, counter target activated ability or triggered ability you for, don't with, control. For very good reason. Right. Because if it didn't say, because right now what you can do is you can just cycle it 
you know, if there's nothing on this on the stack, you can just cycle it and draw a card because there's no uh, there's no activated or triggered ability. You don't control the the ability just doesn't go on the stack. Um, however, if if it didn't have that, you don't control. Uh, well, when you cycle it, um, a triggered ability that is on the stack is or the, sorry, the activated ability that's on the stack is the cycling. So it you would have to target the cycling ability, which would be the worst. So, <laughs> the so worst. much value. I paid three mana to discard this card for no other reason other than to punch myself in the face. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so there's a reason why it says uh, the ability you don't control. Um, and the last bit is uh, mana abilities uh, can't be targeted, even though they are activated, they can't be targeted because they don't, since they don't use the stack, they resolve the second they're, they're activated. So it's always going to be a swing and a miss with the nimble obstructionist. She's not that nimble. You can only be so nimble. Yes. Only so, so nimble. Uh, otherwise it'd be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Splendid. Uh, <laughs> that was a that was a good evil like a villain voice there, Jess. I appreciate it. I've been working it's, on it. You know, it's, it's been so happy sounding. Overwhelming splendor is the name of the new card, and I'm I'm pretty sure like it kind of looks like the world is about to explode behind those boloss horns. Um, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, in case you don't know what this card says, it is an aura curse that says enchant player. Creatures enchanted player controls lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. The enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. So they can only use planeswalkers and mana abilities, basically. Uh, and all of their creatures are terrible. Um, so, uh, stuff, that, stuff that can happen here. Um, each creature's base power and toughness is 1-1. That means it, it can change later so for example if you giant growth something that is one one and try to give it plus three plus three it will be a four four even though this says it's a one one because it's base power toughness is one one uh similarly uh enchantments and equipments that are already on it when it becomes a one one can still apply because it's the base power toughness is one one everything else is added on top of that um also if it later gets uh an ability from an aura or whatever. So, so after overwhelming splendor is uh, on the battlefield, somebody tries to keep one of their creatures flying. It can gain flying because that flying ability has a later timestamp than the ability that said remove all the abilities. Um, but if it had flying at the time, obviously that is removed when overwhelming splendor enters the battlefield. Um, and if overwhelming splendor would be destroyed or otherwise leave the battlefield at the same time as something else that would be destroyed and normally has a when this dies trigger, uh, the trigger doesn't happen. Um, now, I will point out that is only for things that say when this dies. That is not for things that say when this goes to a graveyard from anywhere, such as Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, because it doesn't care what it was on the battlefield. This is only for things to say when this dies. It's a it's kind of a sticky distinction, but they are different things. And I, I legitimately feel like this is going to be the card that people ask the most weird, obscure judge questions about. This this is going to be the new card that is like, oh, I've come up with a really clever new layers it's, and timestamp question with overwhelming it's, splendor. It's Rawr. new. It's new humility. It's new humility. 
I like yes. it. Yes. Yeah. So I cast Numility. I like it. Uh, so, uh, last thing, I think it's going to come up a lot. It says you can still activate mana abilities, but don't forget that your creatures don't have mana abilities anymore. Aww. So you can activate your lands, but you cannot activate your your creatures that would make mana. Um, Saddest of days. Wah. Yeah, they're, they're, they still they don't have that ability, even though it sa- it doesn't say anything about mana abilities. Right, right, right. Um, all right, let's let's go ahead and move on to the next one, unless somebody else had a question about numility that they wanted to talk about. Uh, I didn't. Okay, cool. Let's uh, go ahead and move on. All right. Uh, the next card is Obelisk Spider. I remember being uh, very excited about this art because I think it's a creepy, spooky spider with big old spooky legs. Uh, so it, this uh, this friendo here is a 1-4 with reach, and whenever Obelisk Spider deals combat damage to a creature, put a minus one, minus one counter on that creature. And whenever you put one or more minus one, minus one counters on a creature, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Um, so when you add that one, da- that minus one, minus one counter, uh, if you because you've done damage to it or if you've done other damage to it, that may make your previously done damage lethal damage. So you may have to pay a little bit more attention to your to your combat math just to be aware of now that I have added these counters, is this lethal now when it wasn't before? Um, if your spider friend here gets into combat, does some damage, and then it, sell, it dies, uh, yeah, your, the other creature will still get that minus one, minus one counter. So it's, it's like it's like dying breaths. It's like, no, I want you to suffer too, blap. Um, if you put my, one or more minus one, minus one counter uh, counters on each of multiple creatures at the same time, it's last ability about you, uh, you, your opponent losing life and you gaining life. Uh, it will trigger once for each of those. So I'm trying to, someone want to help me with a hypothetical combat situation here? Uh. So if you had something that was like distribute uh, a bunch of minus one, minus one counters any way you dev- any way you choose amongst any number of target creatures. So you'd be like, ah, this creature gets two and this creature gets two. Yeah, I pick oh. I pick both of these get two counters. Each of yeah. them will will trigger once for each creature. Something like Shadowmoor probably has something like that. Um, but yeah, so you're you're going to it's not even though you put multiple uh, counters on each each individual creature. It's still, because of the wording of one or more minus one, minus one counters on a creature, it's still only going to trigger once per creature. Um, in the, uh, if you're playing two-headed giant, if you have made the decision with your life to play some two-headed giant with a friend, uh, the last ability will cause your opposing team to lose two life, but you only gain one. Because it says each opponent loses one life, and you have two of them. And it says you gain one life. And in a lot of these, it says these will these draining abilities will say like your your opponent loses some life and you gain some life, and it, they're equal. In this case, it's not. So just something to keep an eye out for. All right. The next card, 
also is relevant into it a giant. Uh, it's my favorite card in the set, the it's, Scarab God. I love his little bug head. His little bug head is is kind of weird, but uh, for three blue black, three a blue and a black is a legendary creature God. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life, and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. Again, Emmett Eternal is your friend here. Um, no. And then for two blue and a black, or two a blue and a black, exile target creature card from a graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 four, four black zombie. So there we have, again, the not quite eternalized. The sort of eternalized. The sort of eternalized. Um, and then when the Scarab God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. That doesn't, that's not your end step or the, your opponent's end step. It's just the next one in general. Um, something else. Uh, it is going to count the number of zombies uh, for the losing X life and all that good stuff upon resolution. So, you know, if you start, if the ability triggers and you got four, and when, when it finishes, you got three. Oh, they're gonna, you're going to be scrying three, and the opponent is going to be losing three life. And in Two-Headed Giant, the Scarab God is double the fun. Well, for you, for them, it's not, <laughs> it's not so much. It works out about as good as it did for the, the Amonkhet Gods. Um, in Two-Headed Giant, uh, you're, you're, both opponents are going to lose X life, so 2X. However, it's only going to count your zombies. It doesn't also count your teammates' zombies if they also have an Emmett Eternal. I'm just picturing some bro named Emmett, like, wearing a backwards baseball cap. Anyway. Dude, if you look at the art for Emmett Eternal, he could totally uh, have a backwards baseball cap on. <laughs> he kind of he kind of already does have one. If, if you look at the art. My mental image, it's real. He actually is kind of wearing a, a, a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, Jess. Yeah, I I don't want to. Oh, uh, oh. What are you doing, Jess? Why are you doing Refusing this? Refusing to cooperate. Oh. Which is also the name of the next card, um, which I apparently am actually going to do. Uh, so Refuse to Cooperate is one of those nifty new Aftermath cards. And first one, Refuse, says Refuse deals damage to target spells control or equal to that spell's converted mana cost. And uh, what's interesting about that is that if you are hitting an X spell with that, the converted mana cost will include the total that was used for X. And then Cooperate says Copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. If you I can tell hear I had you to. turning your head sideways <laughs> to read that card. I can hear it. So, um, things about this card. Uh, the copy isn't cast. It's just put on the stack. Um, it will resolve first rather than than uh, rather than last. You know, it, it, it goes on top of the stack, so it happens first. Uh, you can choose new targets for anything you're copying, but if modes were chosen or a number of targets was locked in, it's still locked in. You have to use the same ones. If there were any additional costs that are paid or the ultimate costs that affect the spell in some way, all of that is locked in and considered paid, uh, such as fling. If I fling a creature at you and it's going to deal five damage, when I copy the spell, the copy deals five damage. Uh, you can't pay alternate costs. Uh, so when you put the copy on the stack, uh, you could not decide that instead you wanted to do it with overload or something like that. And... 
uh, let's see here. Spells that divide damage change the chunks. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't even read Brian's thing here. Spells that divide damage change the chunks that damage is dealt in. There we go. I read it successfully. Yay. Yeah. Well, they can't. Uh, you can't change the chunks. There's a, there's a missing a can't. Or is it... Yeah, that makes more sense. Awesome. <laughs> uh, spells that divide damage can't change the chunks of the damage is dealt in. Yeah, that makes, that makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, cool. So that's all there is pretty much about copies. Anything that comes up where you might be copying a spell, there it is. Um, there's another card in the set that does that, Swarm Intelligence, but we're not going to talk about it any more than I already have. So next we got the the, the run-em-up snake. So Ramunap Hydra, I think? I, I did like Run-em-up run Hydra is pretty good. Um, so uh, this is another thing with a weirdly large number of abilities. It is a 3-3 with Vigilance, Reach, and Trample. Uh, where it gets plus one, plus one, as long as you control a desert, and gets plus one, plus one, as long as there are a desert card in your graveyard. Uh, there are other cards in the, in the set that will have abilities that care about if you have a desert on the battlefield, and some that if you care about if you have a desert in your graveyard. Uh, this one cares about both. So this is both a... Hey, sweet, this cares about both, and also a warning to make sure you know which one to look out for on your cards. So, just because something says, gets blah blah, as long as you have a desert blah blah, you need to make sure it's if it's talking about having one on the battlefield or having one in your graveyard, because it's easy to kind of just not read your cards and gloss over that. Alright, the next one is Resilent Kinra. You're you're trying so hard, Brian. What you mean? I actually really like silent. No, it's not. It's it's resilient. resilient but I, I really like the art. Silent. I do too. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. like the colors are really good. It's it's pretty cool. So it's uh, one in a green for a two two uh, jackal wizard. Ooh, it's made bigger with the the key cat in the. <laughs> the key cat. The key the cat's cat. Got a, cat's got a really big head. It yeah, it kind of does. It's kind of creepy looking. Um, and the green eyes, huh? It does. Um, so uh, it says when uh, resilient Kinra enters the battlefield, you may have target creature get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is resilient Kendra's power. And then it has a turn of uh, four green green. So with nothing else changing uh, when it enters. The, so it's a two, two for two that when it enters, when it enters the battlefield, it's going to give uh, it's going to give itself or another creature plus two plus two and then when you eternalize it it's going to give that other creature uh plus four plus four um assuming now, there's nothing else weird going on right assuming nothing else weird is going on there might be something that pumps pumps creatures or anything like that um now if resilient kendra is no longer on the battlefield when the ability resolves so you play resilient kendra you put the ability uh, i kind of want to call it resilient kendra now i, I, um, I noticed that it's if you know anyone named kendra you gotta let them know yes. how resilient they are. Yes, or or just resilient, resilient Kendra. Um, uh, it's it, if resilient Kendra is no longer on the battlefield when the ability resolves, you're gonna lose a la- You're gonna use last known information. So if um, it somehow uh, was a one one when it died or a five five when it died, that's the information you're gonna use for determining the the value of X when the ability resolves. Now. This is, according to the release notes, this right here is a rules change from previous, they're they're changing a rule, 
No, we don't have the comp rules yet, so we kind of have to infer from some of these uh, yeah. these. We rulings. don't know exactly what is changing, but right. something is changing here. But previously, and just what was the name of the card that uh, that this used to be relevant for? Oh, I think it was Wild, Wild Beastmaster. Beastmaster. A yeah. Wild Beastmaster. Right. So it also gives plus X plus X where X is its power. And if it gets hit with something like a dismember that drops its uh, drops its power uh, into the Tragic negatives, slip. yeah. Oh geez. Yeah. Um, drops its drops its power and toughness to like negative ten, negative ten, or something like that. Um, the creature would actually, instead of getting plus whatever, plus whatever, it actually it would actually get plus negative ten, plus negative ten. Which is, if you remember from from fourth grade math, uh, adding a negative number is the same as subtracting. Um, so your creature would actually get minus 10, minus 10. And I guess they decided that that was unintuitive. So they changed the rules. So that's going to just be plus zero, plus zero. Uh, which, which while it's fine. less kind of cool and interesting, it's also a nice, like, preventative measure from really bad feelings or a lot of confusion about how exactly that works. Right. It, it was also one of these things that it really, really seldom came up. And when it did, it, it was, it's kind of hard to explain to someone as to why this is a thing. So yeah, this is kind of one of these things that like, yeah, rules nerds, we just lost uh, uh, a neat interaction, but gameplay got a little marginally better as a result. So eh, deal with it. Yeah, it seems fine. Anything else we want to say about the most resilient of Kendra's? No. But yeah, we we, we will give a more uh, updated information about that, whatever changes with that rule, if we get that. Yeah, who knows? Uh, I was just going to make the joke that resilient green is jackals. <laughs> You're working hard for that one. Wow. You were, you were working really wow. hard on that. And that one took me a minute to understand what you were referencing, but I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'm glad because nobody listening will. I mean, they might, but it was bad. Uh, moving on. Bad. It was a, you know what? It was a test of that joke. It didn't work. So now we're going to talk about Sam at the test. It test something else. Uh, okay. Testing different stuff. Sounds fine. Yeah. So Sam is uh, a planeswalker and uh, she has three abilities. And the first one says up to one target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Uh, because it says up to one, you do not need to actually have a target to activate this ability. So if you don't have any creatures, uh, or if only your opponent's creatures exist and you don't want them to have double strike, you can just take it up without any targets. Uh, the second ability says, Sam at the test, it deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two target creatures and or players. Uh, for the second ability, you do need to have one or two targets. Um either creatures or players, and divide the damage uh, as you activate it, not as it resolves. So if you choose two targets, you'll need to divide one to each because you have to get at least one thing you're dividing. And if you choose one target, obviously you will divide two to the one target, and you cannot choose more than two targets. Um, if one of the targets for the second ability becomes illegal, uh, you will still only do one damage to the second target because you chose that division while you were activating the ability. You, yeah, it, do, it doesn't go, then go and overflow to the other one because the first one's gone because you already right. locked in how much you were doing. There, there is a classic card that kind of does this called Fireball. Uh, the, we don't talk about card, that. It divides things as it resolves because it it 
has its own math on the card about how it divides things. This does not. Right. That I, I have seen that uh, the difference between those things trip people up a lot. Um, all right. Well, you might say that knowing that information is a saving grace. Am I yeah. right? Am I right? Uh, so our next card is Saving Grace. Uh, it is an enchantment aura with flash. Uh, being an aura, it's an enchant t- creature you control. When Saving Grace enters the battlefield, all damage that would be dealt this turn to you and permanents you control is dealt to enchanted creature instead. It also gives the enchanted creature plus O plus three. I, again, this is a card that I think the flavor is really neat. It's like, no, take me instead. Um, uh, so, uh, if, if the ability is on the, if that trigger is on the stack, uh, and saving grace is removed while that trigger is like about to resolve, uh, that damage is still going to be directed. However, if the, the enchanted creature is removed while the trigger is being resolved or like when that's on the stack, the damage will not be directed because there is no longer a creature there for that damage to be directed to. Um, it This card doesn't change the source of the damage. So if something says, you know, when blah blah deals damage, do this, uh, that thing has still dealt damage, um, even if it's not what you intended to deal damage to. Um, if you have two of these, um, if you have several things dealing damage, each of those sources or each of those sort of chunks of damage has to go toward one 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 instance of this one of the saving grace creatures um so if i have a creature that's attacking for six damage or if i if i have something that deals six damage uh i can only choose for that to go to one of the saving grace creatures i can't sort of split it up among well it's it's also like if if four creatures attack uh, and that, that damage is, uh, like, all damage that is dealt this turn to you or permanence you control is dealt to an enchanted creature instead. I think all of that damage, all of that combat damage has to go to one or the other. You can't split it up. The whole combat damage bit? Right. Uh, okay. Uh, so, wait, Brian, it, who gets to choose how my, how this gets divided? Who gets to choose which creatures get saving graced? Uh, so, since this is a, a replacement effect, it's going to be the person that either either the controller of the affected creature or the affected player. Sweet. So that would be the saving grace dude. So if I have two creatures both with saving grace and you lightning bolt me, I can choose and then you lightning bolt me again, I get to choose well this first one I want to go to this saving grace creature and this second one I want to go to this other saving grace creature. Yes. Woohoo. Uh, anything else we want to say about this neat little little card here? That's a uh, that's awfully solemn of both of you. Yeah, this this card sol- uh, solemnity, solemn solemnity, solemnity. It's like Sol- celebrity, but worse. Solemn. It's a sad. It's a sad card. It's got it's got Gideon like kind of over uh, Oketra, you know, fallen Oketra. Spo- spoilers: Oketra falls. Um, oh no! Oh no! Uh, right. So it is uh, probably when this card came out, like m- certain modern players just started salivating. Um, <laughs> for two and a white is an enchantment. This is players can't get counters. 
then counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. Um, so really, uh, yeah, this works with poison counters. Uh, or <laughs> the, the question or, everyone is asking. Yeah, yeah, this is not actually going to see much play in modern. I don't think because I, I there don't think it is better either. option. It's it's still a question that everyone's asking, yeah. right? This is this is what this is really for. Is we'll say it's too little, too late for some other problems that have existed in some formats that are not modern. <laughs> some other problems that have existed. Um, all right. So uh, this does not impact. Uh, first off. Um, uh, players can't get counters, uh, so it is it's energy counters, poison counters, all that good stuff. Um, this doesn't impact any counters that already exist. So any so when you play this card, any counters that are already on the battlefield or applied to players, um, they, they still have them. Um, it, it doesn't make them go away if they're already right. there. Right. Uh, also, uh, where it says counters can't be put onto artifacts, creatures, and that also means like. When a, when a card says as this enters the or this enters the battlefield with you know three plus one plus one counters two charge counters that kind of that kind of thing um, they're going to enter the battlefield and they're not going to have any counters now the list of permanents explicitly excludes planeswalkers um, so there you those are those you, you still get your six Gideons yes you still get your six Gideons um, let's see if uh, something uh, if you have to put additional counters on something as part of a cost, you can't pay that cost. So if it's like, you know, put a minus one, minus one counter on this creature and tap it to do this thing, well, you can't do that. Um, so you and, cannot pay that cost. Right. That is an unpayable cost. And then if uh, Solemnity enters the battlefield as at the same time as something else that would get counters also... That thing's still going to get the counters because Solemnity actually has to be on the battlefield uh, before the thing enter before the other thing enters the battlefield in order for its effect to apply. When they ha- when they all drop at the same time, they're all entering the battlefield at the same time, so Solemnity can't uh, uh, interact with that. I'm sure Ooh. there there will be other questions related to that card, but I think that's the the overall idea things people will care about in general about that card. All right, I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm I'm ready for the segue on this one, Jess. Yeah, I got no. I, I got nothing. I I I'm I'm overcome with emotion that it's that it's that we're about almost done, and uh, that emotion is like anger and bitterness, and it's hailing down. It's, it's torment of hailfire. No, no, didn't work. Never mind. It, I got nothing. He tried. Uh, you get a gold star. Uh, torment of hailfire is our next card, and it costs X black black. It says, repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. So a couple things about this. Uh, You have to repeat it X times, not X plus one times. And what I mean by that is if you pay zero mana, you will repeat it zero times, which is to do nothing at all. Uh, Each time you repeat this, it's done separately. So we do it one at a time. I will I will uh, lose through life and sacrifice something uh, or discard a card or whatever. Um, but we aren't going to check any state based actions and we are not going to put any triggers on the stack in the middle of doing all this stuff. We're going to do all of the repetitions and then we're going to do uh, we're going to do all this stuff. And in multiplayer, uh, each round of repetition is done 
in turn order because it says each opponent, which means this card is just just an absolute beating into a brutal into a giant. Oh yeah. yes, yes, it's uh the the it hits each of the the heads of your team and does not hit your teammate. Uh, however, the opponents do not have to choose the same option for for both of them because of that, which is nice. So one person could sacrifice a non-land permanent, and one person could discard a card, one person could lose three life, and one person could take an o- another option. So there are options. None of them are good, but there are <laughs> options. They're a bit, they're a bit of a torment. Hey. So something something that was kind of cool, I was, I was listening to uh, another podcast, The Mana Pool, and they made a, a comment how there had been people complaining that it's like, oh, this should have been like Torment of Hellfire. Uh, but the, the, the comment was from a flavor standpoint, there's actually, when you start talking about like the biblical plagues of Egypt, uh, one of the plagues was actually fiery hail. Yeah. So this, was, this makes sense. Right. I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. I, there are a surprising number of vague biblical references in magic cards. It's true. Some like this one, not quite as vague. I, I just, we were, we were, I love how just dire and, and dark and gloomy this whole set is. It's pretty, it's pretty bleak. Uh, I, I like it. And, oh, and we didn't talk, speaking of bleak, and I was like, oh, I love it. Especially like the cycle of, um, of, you know, like Jace's defeat and Chandra's yeah. defeat and Mrs. defeat. I was like, yeah, I want to foil Jace's defeat. Or Jace's, <laughs> Jace's whooping, or whatever the card's called. Jace's whooping. Jace's whooping. I'm so, I'm so sick of those Gatewatch. They get what's coming to them. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, I could, I could do without Magic Batman with meaning Gideon. Magic Bat. Gideon is Magic Batman. Yeah, he's he's like he's just like generic generic. He's there and he always has the thing that he needs to help. But I don't know. I think he's. Like from a card design standpoint, pretty neat. But from a like a flavor standpoint, kind of, kind of just a guy. I don't know. You can, you can, you can feel free to tell me all the ways I'm wrong. Uh, no, I'm not going to tell you all the ways you're wrong. You're, you're, you're right. I, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't, hasn't died at this point. Because uh, they can't keep killing all the like they, the, the white, white planeswalkers. Why not? That could be a theme. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I just in my mind like so Gideon dies and then next set they introduce another another planeswalker and this one's like Marvin the planeswalker and he's like hi hi guys uh, and they're like yeah, yeah yeah they're like yeah yeah we're not gonna he's like my name's Marvin and they're like we don't care yeah we don't care we're not gonna get we, attached yeah we can't get too emotionally invested in you we don't get too emotionally invested in you Marvin <laughs> but really I'm just I'm just here to ha- ha- ha. awesome and scene. <laughs> All right, that's the set. Woohoo! Yay, we did it, guys. All right. Parts. So, is there anything else that we need to talk about on this episode? Uh, uh that we failed to get a picture when with me, the me and you in Cleveland, and then Photoshop a picture of Brian in the middle. We can do it this weekend. Okay, we can do that this weekend. Oh. We're, gonna, we're gonna hang out in Roanoke together this weekend without Brian because he's not part of the cool kids club. I. <laughs> He's got his own cool kids club. Uh, but that being said, it's not uh, cool. we're we're not all allowed to be in the same place at the same time. Yeah, that's nope. it's 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 been a judge cast rule for years. We're gonna break it though in two weeks. Two weeks. Are we? Why are we breaking it? 
Is something happening? Yes. What is it? It's uh, an SCG open in Atlanta. In Duluth, it's not in, really in, in Atlanta. In, in not Atlanta? It's sort of like, you know, like many, many years ago, there was a GP Tampa that was about 40, 40 minutes north of Tampa. GP, GP Boston, which was in Worcester. Yeah, so this is this is like uh, SCG Worcester, Worcester. What's <laughs> the same, same difference from yeah? So SCG, the SCG Open in Atlanta, which is a team team constructed format uh, for the Open. Uh, Matt Williams, who's been a guest on this show many times, will be head judge, and then for each of the classics. Uh, you, the listeners, and we announced it the last time, you, the listeners, have voted on who was going to get to be the head judge for each of the legacy, standard, and modern opens. And we tallied those results up, and we sent them to uh, Star City, and I think, Brogan, did we announce last time? Uh, we announced on Facebook, but never on the show. Ah. Uh, so where that has ended up... Is uh, lots of it is interesting. A lot of people voted for like one person to do all three, which yeah, that doesn't work. It messed right. the math up real bad. I mean, I can do it. I, uh, wow. I, I believe in you, Jess. Um, but that being said, so, uh, we're uh, uh, I am uh, in charge of standard cards, so I get to hang out with all of the the uh, not Aetherworks Marvel. Good for you. Woo. Jess is Jess is going to be doing modern. Yay! I am going to be doing modern, and then Brian is going to be doing, uh, you know, the format that is most like him, old and crusty. Yes, <laughs> old and crusty. Yes. I really hope your legacy cards aren't crusty. I no. Anyway, most of them. Um. So yeah, it it was kind of funny because we, we were kind of watching it and we were like, yeah, this is this is falling out by age. It's. It's really, it's really just like, you know, they're probably like, oh, Brian's the old guy, so give him the old format. Well, kind of what was I was thinking. Reasonably close for me to get Legacy, which would have been sweet, but I didn't. No, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah, yeah there I were gotta, a lot of I people gotta... that were just like, oh, just for all formats, Brian for true. all formats, Brian for all formats. It's like, ah. no, Uzani, his army with fists open. <sighs> All right, I guess I I guess I'm watching that. <laughs> Tune in next time when I have watched that episode. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up, shall we? Sounds good. All right, so uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/judgecast. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com/judgecast. You can find our website at judgecast.com, and you can find our entire archive there. And you can email us if you have any qu- judge questions, rules questions, stuff you just want to talk about. Uh, you can email us at uh, judgecast at gmail.com. And uh, coming up soon, did we get the date for that? 22nd and the 23rd. 22nd, 23rd of July. We will be, yes, in, yes. Uh, we will be in Atlanta, Georgia for the SCG Open. Stop by and say hi. My name is Jess Dunks. I keep it fair. Uh, and I am Brogan King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep it re-silent. Re-silent? <laughs>